Welcome to the Chosen Brew Beer Podcast, the podcast where guests talk the way through the six beers that changed everything. This episode is with comedian, podcaster, and presenter of the beer pioneer, Matt Stewart. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Chosen Brew Beer Podcast, Matt Stewart. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, I've been wanting to have you on as a guest for a while. We actually did the uh, I Miss the Pub thing in lockdown, and probably everybody's brains were fried at that point, but we did have a good chat about things we missed about the pub, Ugh. which is very pleasurable. That was such a cruel tease. Um, I just, I'm like, I think I'd, I didn't even realize how much I missed the pub until that chat, and I was like, oh, and, and then I, I've been hanging out for it, and look, it's all opened up again since, and I've been back at the pub. I've been spending time back <laughs> yeah, at the pub. Yeah. yeah. And I've been I've I've not taken it for granted anymore. Which I guess, yeah, must have been doing on some level. You just think the pub will always be there for you. Yeah. Every spur <laughs> every sip is sacred. <laughs> I got, I got that confused there. <laughs> I mean both are true. <laughs> but, um yeah, that was hard to close the laptop after that talk lots of talking about the pub. Um but you are Lots of things, Matt. What I'm interested in is that for, we'll talk about Beer Pioneer shortly, but you're very talented and you do <laughs> lots of things. Well, I think th- those two things, <laughs> there's sort of a false equivalency, right? <laughs> I will agree that I do a lot of things. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm very talented. Hey, look. But I, I pre- look, I should just accept the, the compliment. Matt, I'm a trained primary school teacher. I, I'm aware of doing lots of things and not being talented. good at any of them. I'm the <laughs> son, son of teachers. I, uh, I, I think well, it's interesting. I wonder if there's a connection between teaching and beer. There probably is. Mate, I think so. I think probably, uh, yeah, and senior leadership in schools, probably probably they skip beer and move to harder substances. <laughs> right. um, no, they care about your children very much, listeners. Um <laughs> So what's the hierarchy of things that you do? How do you classify yourself? When uh, people say, what do you do? How yeah, do you I work find, through the list? I find that question very difficult. You know, going through customs or whatever. <laughs> I, just, I normally try and just say I work for myself and hope they don't ask any more questions. It's always, it just always feels awkward. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Um, some of my income is from stand-up comedy. Some of it's from podcasting. Just people get confused, but... Some of it, I, I help run a studio. <laughs> but a drug mule would also say, yeah. I just work yeah, for myself, yeah, so right. you, you've got to really... <laughs> and I'm sweating because I'm <laughs> embarrassed by the question. They go, oh, we're going to have to search this guy. <laughs> so uh, what is it then? What, what do you, what, what, how do you classify? Is, that, is, is the majority of what you do or how you identify yourself, stand-up comedy, a podcaster i'd like it to be but it probably depends on who you ask will be how they you uh, if you're, i mean if you're asking me that, that's probably what i'd I'd like to say stand-up comedy and everything else flows from that um or maybe even just comedy is easier i work in comedy because everything i do is attached to comedy on some level so i mean i started doing podcasts to try and uh bring uh more people to the stand-up stuff that, um and then yeah there'd be now um, some of the podcasts will get bigger crowds than my stand-up. I'm like, that's not how it was meant to go, but, I mean, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever people are into. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I guess just broadly comedy, but um, been doing, you know, some presenting stuff, which I also enjoy. Uh, on the level of stress, probably if you, if you can sort of figure out 
what you care the most about by the thing that gives you the most anxiety, then it's definitely stand-up. That's the one. Presenting and doing podcasts and stuff I find very easy. And um, But the stand-up is, it fills me with uh, big anxiety, but is also the most rewarding, you know, when it comes off. Biggest risk. Biggest yeah, reward yeah, type I suppose of thing. so. so um, tell us about the beer pioneer. So it's, a, it's an idea uh, of Shane Dunlop, who's a... Uh, he runs Channel 31, the community station in Melbourne. And um, he had this idea that, I mean, he he does a few of these shows. He's got a wine show and, and a, a, sp- a spirit sort of show. They're kind of like travel shows mixed in w- with the hook of being, you know, whatever the the drink of choice is. So the one that I'm working on, I'm presenting, it's called The Beer Pioneer. And his idea is each season would follow the trek of a, of either a, a pioneer of some sort or, or some sort of explorer or whatever. Uh, and the first season's about this escaped convict, William Buckley. He was an Englishman and he came over on one of the one of the ships in the eighteen early 1800s, maybe late. I should know that. But uh, ages ago. And uh, they set up a... We're trying to set up a colony at modern-day Sorrento. This is pre-Melbourne. And they hadn't seen a map... They got there. The water. There was hardly any water. They were struggling. I didn't know the Yarra was just up the road. Um, and so he ended up escaping. It was a nightmare. He escaped, uh, and then he tried to walk to Sydney, but he just walked around Port Phillip Bay, basically almost back to where he started. You know, across the little the heads. Um, his idea was to walk to Sydney, and then from there walk to China. Him and a few mates. They didn't have any idea what was going on, obviously. <laughs> so he was battling. A few of them... I've been on some, like, box nights <laughs> where it's just similar ideas. All right, guys, yeah, we're walking to China. <laughs> but obviously he didn't make it. He didn't make it to Sydney. He started sort of walking north, but ended up he was heading south again. He must have been wrapped when he found Sydney Road, and he's <laughs> like, it must be anywhere around here. Hey, this has got to be a clue. Uh, but then, so... His mates who escaped with, they'd given up going back, even knowing that they'd get punished severely. They, they're they like, that's better than staying out here on our own. And then he, um, this is such a long-winded way of getting to the beer pioneer part, but the then he um, he pretty much gave himself up for dead. He accidentally picked, he picked up a stick, he thought it was a walking stick, but it was actually a spear from a local tribesman, like a grave marker. And the local indigenous people thought he was uh, one of their relatives come back to life. Oh, because he was white. Yes. And then they brought him in and retaught him their ways, their life. And he lived in amongst the indigenous people of the area for the next 32 years. And it's just sort of... And there's a faint, like a pretty well-known Australian saying, Buckley's chance. You got Buckley's. And that's about him. He had Buckley's chance of surviving. And so we have followed that route around Port Phillip Bay and then he ended up living in Hobart, so we finished in Hobart. So we went uh, just to breweries along the route. I think we went to eight breweries, starting at St Andrews Beach. I can name them all. but we And then <laughs> ended up at the other side at um, Salt Brewing at Aries Pub and then went down to Hobart Brewing Co. Because I think there is a plaque at Aries um, to commemorate him. Yeah, right. This journey. It's interesting. I, I, I knew the saying, but I didn't really know anything about him. And then as you go around, you see, there's little plaques and stuff everywhere. Um, wow. 
I think he was born in Cheshire, which is very close to where I grew up. And uh, but that's some story. I mean, too, because didn't he learn the local language? Yeah, by the time like, he came back, he helped communicate. That's right. Between he he forgot English in the thirty-two years, as I guess you would. And then apparently, someone he saw bread, and the word bread came into his mind, and that sort of sparked it, and he, the English came back to him. But um, yeah, apparently he lived a pretty wild life before he fought for England against Napoleon and stuff before he came over. He was a real tall guy as well. He was like 6'7 or something. Yeah, it's an interesting story. So the episodes, sort of half of it will be me interviewing the head brewer or the owner or something like that and getting a tour around the brewery. And then the other half will be some other slightly um, Buckley-related thing. Went fishing with Merv Hughes. <laughs> really? Cr- cricketing legend in one of the in the Barwon River where Buckley would have fished for eels. Stuff like that. Well, does he live around there? Does he? Use he lives in the, in the west, but yeah, yeah, he's got a he's got a fishing show, and he's it was it was great hanging out with. He's a real fun guy. And where do people obviously Channel Thirty One if you can get it? But can people watch it online? It's going to be it? on the on the stupid old channel. This is which is our studio here that we're recording in. Why am I telling them that? It doesn't matter. But anyway, <laughs> I mean that I'm telling you that so there's a, a channel that this place is attached to just a youtube channel so it'll be up there and then they'll try and sell it to overseas markets as well it'll be played on foxtel i think on the one of those channels and yeah it, probably on if if flights ever come back it'll be on airplanes and that yeah that's a good one isn't it yeah it ticks a lot of boxes yeah yeah show you've yeah. done well uh yeah excellent and was there any um obviously the story of buckley stands out in your mind was there any of the the breweries or or beers that uh, really um you surprised you on the journey yeah oh, oh there were heaps every place had different ones and it was interesting just um talking to the different places about you know what their angle was i mean they didn't put it in such gross terms as angle or whatever but you know some of them are like where are, we need people to come and have a meal our beers need to be approachable for most people. And other ones are like, went to Valhalla in Geelong, which is a small place with a capacity of about 50 people. And they're, you know, they were swinging for the fences. They were, you know, lime juice beers and just going for different things. More likely you walk in and you, you want a Carlton draft, you're probably not going to be happy. Whereas other ones are like, well, we got this one that's kind of like a Carlton draft. Just depends on yeah. the place. Luckily, at Valhalla, previous guest of the show, they've got the uh, Sport and Globe yes, across right the street. Across the so road. it's like, you know, you, you haven't found what you like. It probably doesn't yeah. even have to say anything. Just sort of point <laughs> over there, mate. <laughs> this isn't for you. The good thing is, is that if you do like good beer and you're in Geelong, you can kind of sit right by the window at Valhalla and still watch the racing <laughs> across the street. Yeah, that's right. You just see like a third of the TV. Yeah, you <laughs> so. have the quaddy on your phone and yeah, best of both worlds. But yeah, there, I think there a few of your uh, previous guests. A Bad Shepherd, I think you've had yeah, on. Yeah, Derek was, I think, the first person who agreed to do the podcast. So he was awesome to talk to. I yeah. found him really fascinating. He Canadian, so I think there was at least he's a Canadian man, and then uh, Hobart Brewing Company head brewers, an American. I think there's something in that, like they and I found it because that was the most recent interview I did was with uh, Scott, the head brewer at Hobart Brewing Co. They were all great chats, which was nice. Obviously, they wanted to talk beer, so it was good. But um, he was saying, I asked him about how I've always heard that American craft beer is, you know, about ten years ahead of us. 
And I said, I asked him if that's still the case, and he said he re- he really doesn't think it is anymore. He would go back. He goes back every year or so to check out the scene. He'd always be excited to see what's new and stuff. And he said the last time he went, he's like, it was kind of underwhelming. He's like, not in the way that um, they weren't doing bad stuff or anything like that. It was just, well, we've said, we've got a lot of this back home and some stuff that's maybe even more advanced, which is kind of interesting that we've caught up in that way. Yeah, or at absolutely. least according to him. Yeah, and quality as well has has come through hugely in the last you know, even three or four years, I think, in Australia. But one of the things that we, we are behind is the proportion of people drinking craft, whereas, oh, right. in, say, for example, in, in Portland, the, the sales are 50-50 between right. big guys selling beer and small independents, or big independents as they are in America, really. Um, whereas here, it's it's uh, 10% of people. Oh, is that right? 10% of beer sold, roughly speaking, is independents. So there's um, a lot of lot of room for growth there. There is a, a huge amount of room to grow. That's so. interesting. Oh yeah, I guess I'm in a bit of a bubble in certain areas of Melbourne. It's probably a bit closer to fifty fifty, but Melbourne in general. I went on a Bucks weekend with my old mates I grew up with in Moorabbin, um, and yeah, it was great northern all weekend long. I was I luckily enough. I, um, I put in a request a couple of days before. I'm like, if you're getting slabs, can you get me something else? <laughs> So they got me a slab of um, of uh, Kaiju Crush. The problem was that we just went out to pubs all day and they're just getting jugs of Great Northern and my Kaijus are sitting back at the accommodation <laughs> oh, no. in the fridge. <laughs> got to take them home, so that's all right. But yeah, it was funny. Great Northern, you think it's an easy drinking beer, but it is hard to keep, it's hard to drink a lot of. I think it's one of the things that a lot of people listening will uh, be empathetic towards is the sense that once you've, once you've had your eyes open to craft, it's hard to go back. I know a uh, friend of us both, Nick Kappa, he said he finds it easy to go back. <laughs> He'll <laughs> yeah. drink anything. Uh, but I think um, most people who drink craft do find it really difficult to, to go back to that mainstream. And sometimes they do revisit it. Uh, we're recording this just after St. Patrick's Day. A lot of people revisit Guinness, yeah. realize you know it is nostalgic and like a, a cuddle it's quite nice to have but once a year is fine yeah that's right i <laughs> so, think it's the same i would have been happy enough like i'm happy enough to have a few but this is a four-day bucks you know maybe ain't drinking one of any beer over that amount of time i'd get bored of when did books parties become holidays uh, it's, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's not right <laughs> it's the worst thing it's too ever. much you just want to die for the next <laughs> week and a half <laughs> well let's um jump into your six beers that changed everything um choice one so, like I was saying, my parents are teachers, and I reckon I remember, um, like very early on, Dad'd get a beer that he hadn't got before, and this is in the would be in like the mid to late eighties, and he'd go have a sip of this. So I'd be like, I would have had little sips from quite a young age, which I don't think you probably could do anymore. But I, so I, I never had to go through that. You hear people talk about having a fight through the to try and like beer, which always seemed weird to me. I'm like, why are you, if you don't like it, just don't drink it. But I never had that phase. But one, the one I remember early on was always my favourite one to see in the bottle shops as a kid, Abbotsford Invalid Stout, the handshake label. And so when I started drinking at 15 or so, that was one of the ones I'd always get. If we're going to a house party, I'd get uh, a long neck of that and often a, a long neck of Carlton 
and and pour myself a black and tans, which is like <laughs> nice. I don't know what there was something about. It. I think it just made it a bit more fun that you had to sort of. It was like a real simple cocktail. Yeah, <laughs> mixing blending two beers together. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't. I can't really put because I mean, it's you're kind of just diluting the stout. But um, it's also I think it was there's like some bit of there's a little bit of wank about it as well where you go to a bartender make it get a black and tan, and they and sometimes they'd be like, I'm not sure what that is. Yeah, I'll tell you, mate. I'll let you know about this. <laughs> you want to get a, about a half stout? It's a very very difficult conversation to have in <laughs> Belfast or Glasgow, though. Yeah, can you dilute my stout, please? At least it's not a shandy. So, but yeah, so I reckon that and that and it would be either that or the big three stouts when I was a teen, uh, and they're all still around: Invalid Stout, uh, Cascade Stout. Actually, that one isn't made anymore. The Cascade. They used to do two. They still make the Cascade Export Stout. I was in Tassie recently. But they don't make... Uh, I can't even remember what it was called. The other one, which is the one I, I preferred, that's uh, that seems to not be made anymore. And then the Cooper Stout. That was the big three. When did you get to Australia? 2009. Right. So that you probably... Well, I mean, you were sort of here right when it was all starting to take take off a bit yeah I, I kind of arrived and was ready to go home because right. the beer i was like what am i going to drink and then someone introduced me to cooper's and said try this and it was like okay i can stay for a few months more <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was kind of the, the yeah but it was still very underdeveloped at that point you know most yep. bars and pubs it, it it's it doesn't seem that long ago but in terms of beer it's a it's a lifetime ago but that whole thing of mixing uh i think we should blend beers more I know some people will probably throw the phone across the room at this point, but I think it's quite a fun thing to do to yeah. kind of, you know, maybe, you know, not as you don't have to do it all the time. But I think the there's something about the ritual and also to going to like a house party and carrying two big bottles. That's just and also it's quite affordable as well. Yeah, that's so right. So it feels like you've got a lot. It feels like you're set. It feels like you're going to, you know, and also... I don't know if you found it. I certainly found this growing up because I was drinking stout around at that time and no one else would drink it. No one would steal it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and you knew just, that if they you did, that? <laughs> you'd be like, hang on, where'd you get that? Yeah. <laughs> you were the only guy with oh, 100%. stouts. I, I did find, I reckon a few people would try it as well and it, it made it a bit more of a social, long necks are more of a social beer because you go, oh, you want to have a, you can pour a little glass to someone else, which I always found fun. Um, yeah, I think that's a big part of beer is the sharing of it, I reckon. And it's something I still do with my old man. It, through lockdown, we'd have Zoom sessions where we'd both gone to local bottle shops, got the same four or five beers and then drink them together from afar and talk them through. It's kind of nice. I've just had a, a memory come back to me there about a long neck at a party. <laughs> where we'd, we'd had a few beers uh, and we, we end up back at uh, at a party uh, someone says, yeah, come back to mine, we'll carry on drinking, whatever. And the only beers they had was, uh, they had a crate of long necks of Melbourne Bitter. And my friend, who happens to be an art teacher, and this will show his level of creativity, is that he he kind of is fighting with this long neck of beer. He's really struggling with it. And I'm thinking, what is he doing? And he, he turns around and he's managed to struggle on a stubby <laughs> holder on the bottom, which has got no effect whatsoever. But the ritual of having to have a stubby holder was <laughs> he just had to have it on. So 
They should make them in that size. Long neck size. Stubby bodies. <laughs> like, yeah, like a wetsuit. Yeah. Just it. cut the arm off a wet wetsuit. <laughs> so invalid stout. Yeah, I reckon the... I reckon that's the that's I reckon that's the, the, my earliest memory of beer. And this so I, I was in the country grew up in country Victoria until I was five or six. And I remember seeing it. I remember seeing the bottle shops back then, like very early memories. Um, two pubs, and you know, probably not enough people. You wouldn't think enough people to need two pubs, but they both were always busy. Um, and then, yeah, because I mean, it was always Carlton Draft, right? I mean, the first. So I turned eighteen in two thousand and one, and it was pots of Carlton Draft. You go to a pub, you say, "I've a beer." They'll give you a pot of Carlton Draft. So I drank a lot of that. But, I mean, everyone in Melbourne did. That's just all, all there was. And then you'd start to see, you're like, oh, there's Cascade. Occasionally you'll get Cascade Pale Ale on top. Like, oh, that's exciting. But then there was, um, and I talked to this guy. I think his name was Dean Grant. He uh, owns the Urban Alley, which is one of the ones we went to on Beer Pioneer. And he uh, he was saying how he started up the Bridie O'Reilly's chain, which I don't know if you might yeah. have been... Maybe it was still going when you were around. Yeah, I'm familiar. One in Chapel Street. Yes. One in... There was one in Brunswick, Brunswick till not well, too yeah. long ago, and there was... Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a couple others. And it was one of those places where I was like, oh, look at all these beers that I've never heard of. So I'd, Newcastle Brown Ale was one there that I remember in particular. But yeah, the, at that point, it was Euro- if you were going to get anything interesting, it would be European. That was the one that I remember. Ha- I imagine if I had it now, it would probably taste pretty bland, but at the time, it felt like a real flavour party, you know? Yeah, I, I saw uh, Newcastle Brown actually this week, and they're selling it in little cans. Oh, yeah? Now, so, but part of the experience of Newcastle Brown, I think, again, is that big half-litre bottle. Yes. The, they had a, a blue uh, a label with the star on the back, which uh, would turn blue when the beer was cold and That's would warm fun. up, which is great. Um, and also, it was a clear bottle, which is a is a kind of a, a golden rule to not have a clear bottle because it gets um, you know light struck the beer and damages. But obviously, in the northeast of England, that's never going to happen. So right. there's no danger of sunshine damaging the beer. Where, where were you from? Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah, right. So the northwestern Newcastle. I didn't want to have a stab at it. I knew it's... it's Look, my accent is uh, softened. Yeah, softened, right. Softened. <laughs> <laughs> my words have not kept up, but yeah, my accent has softened a little. I remember, and I, this wouldn't be the standard Liverpool beer, but when I was there briefly... Uh, just backpacking. The beer I remember having was uh, John Smith's Extra Smooth or something like that. And uh, I got made fun of by a local saying that's, a, that's an old man's beer. But I think maybe I, I often seem to be attracted to the old man's beers. It's interesting because when I was uh, drinking as, uh, I was going to say, a youngster, <laughs> this makes it sound, I was at legal age of drinking. But we would drink in what we termed old men pubs. Right. And that that was that was our vibe. I love old man <laughs> it's, pubs. It's great. Didn't yeah. have to queue. Yep. The cheapest places. Yep. Uh, fair enough. You had to put up with a few smells and things <laughs> like. It. But the furniture was generally comfortable. Um, <laughs> yeah, and they sold good beers. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, John Smith's is like a really mainstream beer. But uh, actually, if you look up uh, comedian uh, in inverted commas Peter K. Um, he did an advertising campaign for John Smith's, which was 
uh, you wouldn't have said it went viral. You would say that now. It yeah. was very, very popular, this uh, campaign. He doesn't drink alcohol, but oh, he, he did take money <laughs> off John Smith to advertise other people to drink. So, But that whole thing of, I mean, that's never really came to Australia in any form is no is like that no tight creamy head on yep. a beer just the the theater of it settling apart from guinness yeah but that's it yeah that seems to be quite a euro thing there's a couple of craft brews that have nitro options yeah there's one uh batch of lc uh nitro stout and certainly uh burnley as well do a, a coffee brown ale uh with nitro which is which is great so yeah, but and there's a few uh, people doing hand pumps and stuff like that, but nothing to the extent that you see. In the there's something about it. I think it must be similarity to a cup of tea. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only thing I put it down to is that why it's more loved bit, over there. Yeah, yeah, it's just a bit. It's less of a jump. People want something that scratches the th- scratches the throat here, right. whereas in the UK you don't. You want a genteel <laughs> yeah. massage of the throat. <laughs> I like the variety. Happy to have a scratch and a genteel. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, choice choice two. I think choice two. So, I mean, I'm in this in this world of uh, it's all Carlton draft, and for some reason, I just I became really obsessed with Bogues Premium, which is a a Launceston brewery, um, and I was I I can't remember what got me into it, but I. It would be the that and Cascade Premium as well for some reason, the two big Tassie premium beers. That one isn't made anymore either now. I don't know what's happened to Cascade. They've dropped a few of the... Well, Bogue seems to have grown. Cascade seems to have sort of shrunk. Yes, there's a there's a whole history of CUB taking over brands and destroying them. Oh, so. so sad. Cascade was great, but um, it's in such a nice spot down in Hobart. But um, I remember writing an email to Bogue's when I would have been like 18, and uh, just like a love letter. <laughs> I love your beer so much. And then they sent me this package of um, posters. Of it. They had these iconic um, posters, it's a black and white posters, uh, and they sent me a bunch of those. Had them framed on my wall, some key ring, all this sort of stuff. Wow. I was just like a, I supported them like they were a football team for a while. And then I, and then I went, I left Australia for the first time. <laughs> And I remember I was so like naive about it all. I was proud of Australian beer, even though I'd ha- I'd hardly tasted a flavour at that point. <laughs> um, and then uh, I found that I found Bogues, and I'd been drinking other beers in Europe for a while. And then I found a Bogues Premium in a pub in London, and I I paid like ten pounds for it or something, you know, something ridiculous. Yeah. And I had it, I'm like, oh, this doesn't taste like anything. <laughs> <laughs> like my taste buds, are, I think just gradually my taste buds have, you know, you try new flavours and then you go back to a thing you used to think was really interesting. Remember it happening, I used to think James Squire Pale. I'm like, oh, this is nice. And now if I had it now, like I, I can't, I can hardly taste anything at all. I don't know how that <laughs> happens, but I guess it's, just, you know, you're... You're ruining yourself by chasing these big flavors. Did when you were in the UK? Did you ever go to um, the Australian themed place walkabout? I I'm sure I went inside one, but I I was trying to make a point of avoiding them. It seemed like <laughs> for some reason that's where it's, it's like it would they would be full of Australians. Why are we here? Why have we <laughs> why have they... we flown for a day to go to a, a weird like a bizarro Australian pub? 
It is, yeah, like it's as if you haven't been to a walkabout, it's as badly themed as you <laughs> could imagine. Like, you know, Blow signs up on kangaroos. Like, yeah, and like painted on the wall, Donnie's and an arrow <laughs> yeah. and stuff. And, um, but they did sell the mainstream Australian beers uh, and some of them on tap as well as packaged. And I remember, uh, you know, talking about you know, being a fanboy for, for, um, Vogue's. I watched The Secret Life of Us in the UK, which was made with Channel 4. And it was on an obscure time. On a Thursday night, it was on about half ten at night. And me and my sister would stay up and watch this show. And it seemed so exotic to us, like this show set in St. Kilda. And we just loved, like, Deborah Melman and like, yeah. um, Samuel Johnson. Just loved the show. And the only beer that appeared in that show was VB. So oh, right. every time they reached in the fridge, they got VB. And I remember it like a few years later at my local supermarket seeing VB. Like they were selling six packs of VB. And I was like, and it would have been, again, way more expensive than it should have been. <laughs> and I remember buying it and just convincing myself it was really nice <laughs> because like, oh, this is what Evan drinks. <laughs> just getting so excited oh, about it. lovely. But yeah. Um, and then getting to Australia and thinking, this doesn't taste like... I remember the <laughs> the stuff yeah. in Tesco that I used to for. It was probably yeah, it was a brewed under license over there, maybe. I think it probably was imported, but um yeah, the the journey had probably improved. <laughs> probably matured. I I drank VB one night in, in London. I had a ticket. I was going by myself to this uh to a Mike Patton show and I was drinking with some mates who weren't interested to go to the show, so I bought a ticket by myself, but then we were drinking at this pub across town and I'm like, I've got to go in half an hour to catch the support act or whatever. And anyway, we ended up you know, flash forward two hours and I'm like having a sprint to the tube and I, I, I just got in as the, the show started. But the reason I was late is because this place was selling buckets of VB <laughs> and we just got on a run. <laughs> and we I, I guess we were feeling very nostalgic and maybe a bit homesick and we were just... Smashing VB stubbies. I think the nice and cold, certain thing, and it you know there is nostalgia about them. It's a great label. It's cool, cool looking beer. I think just as a bit, it's got a bit of a dirty taste to me. It, all, it tastes like a hangover's on its way. You know. Yeah, there's something. Yeah, there's something reassuring about it. But do you think the nostalgia that you felt, but you travelled like ten thousand miles away? to feel that nostalgia do you think a lot of people feel that nostalgia when they've just driven like a suburb away <laughs> and they're like oh you know like they get home and they're like open the fridge yeah open there the it is it's like oh always waiting for me yeah <laughs> just oh, you know, so good i mean we're going uh analyzing psychology of beer drinkers is a very dangerous thing but so that surprises me as well that you were writing emails to, to Bogues, <laughs> like fair play to them for sending you. Yeah, um, it was well, some, what legends. I mean, and but, I, I, I still, I still love them for that reason. I just, I mean, they, they have done interesting beers over the years as well. They, they, they like a, they did a honey porter at one point, and they've, and this is like well before craft beer was really kicking off here or at the level that it is now. So, um, I think yeah, but I, I think when they're Often when breweries are bought out by bigger places, they don't experiment as much. They just need to <laughs> do something that's dependable and consistent. Um, yeah, but yeah. I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure. What I think is just the marketing and everything all together. 
Uh, and it did taste a lot better to me than Carp Draft. There's something about, isn't it, someone telling you that this is the purest water. In the yeah, world. I think I just got sucked into all that stuff. And then there's also the, the fact that their labels uh, just look like they've been there for a long time. Yeah. And the, the I mean, maybe it's pushing it a bit to say that there's, there's something about the labels which is... It's escapism. Yeah. You know, like right, the, Tasmania, the boats, paradise. like it's yeah. got that running river or yeah. like, and you just think, oh, and, and Cascade, like Tasmanian Tiger and yeah. um, the the building itself is, yeah, it's pure and it's, and it's, it, you know, Tasmania is not exotic, but it's, it's further away than here. So, yeah. <laughs> and to me, I hadn't left the country at that point. So it was, <laughs> it was pretty exotic, Tasmania. Yeah. I still love Tassie, but. Yeah, it's funny. I and I still think of it a bit like that. It's like a feels like you're in a different place. It's a much older city than Melbourne, so you, uh, Hobart, I should say. So yeah, I don't know. It just it feels different. I remember the first time we went to Hobart. I'm like, All right, this is, feels like what England probably feels like. Is what I remember <laughs> thinking, and I it, it didn't. But you know, it, it's sort of like a little snapshot of a different time or something. I think it's one of the most popular destinations for Scottish people to move to. Oh, right. Yeah. Because so, of the climate and other Yeah, because it's just like it's home from home in right. in many respects. Yeah. Uh, so and you can kind of, yeah, you get that. You were there recently, were you? Did yeah, you? I was there last week, yeah. And beer-wise, did you manage to well, I, make it nice? There's a weekly comedy room at the Polish Corner, which is a Polish club, and they have like a range of 12 different Polish beers. I had one that was called OK Beer. <laughs> And I loved that, that sort of modesty <laughs> or that expectation <laughs> setting. I think it was just because it was a shortening of whatever the longer place name was. But so I had one of those, which was, was fine. Just a, it just tastes like a, you know, a stock European beer to me. But then we went to the the Winston, which is like probably my favorite uh, Tassie pub. And it's like a, it's just a craft beer pub. And I had a, um, what a pointless story. I had a really nice stout that I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but it was really great. But that that's a place, I've, every time I go there, I'll, I'll have some. It was the first type place I had the, um, what's that Brisbane brewery that did a, a passion fruit goza. It's quite a popular one. Three Bells, Seven Bells by... Yes, um, Green Beacon. Green Beacon, yeah. yeah. They had that on tap a few years back. It was the first place I had it. I'm like, what is this? Wow. Yeah, that's a great pub. But yeah, ta- I think Tassie beers apparently is, is is kind of booming as well. There's more and more breweries down there. Yeah, absolutely. I think the only problem they have is is getting it to the mainland distribution, and um, we just don't see enough of it. I think. But um, and were you doing gigs? Um, the casino there, Battery Point. I mean, what's yeah? It's a, what, what's the beer selection like in a Tasmanian casino? At the casino, I made a point of drinking. They had they just had all the the majors like it was old school lineup of beers. I probably I think there was Bogues Premium there, <laughs> Cascade. So I, I'm like I had been told that the old school local Hobart beers, Cascade Lager or Cascade Blue they call it. And I had that. And I, that was pretty. That was just a good solid old school beer. So I was drinking those at the ca- the casino gig, and I enjoyed them. That's like a, that's funny feeling nostalgia for a thing you weren't around for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this tastes like the old days. Back when Hobart was really Hobart. <laughs> <laughs> back, yeah. back when it was sending emails you yeah, know, yeah. before letters existed. Um, all right, choice three. 
Choice three, I think. So this, I, I was trying to do it like in the chronological order as much as I could, and I mean, it, this list could be about, you know, it could be seventy beers, but it was pretty tricky, was it? To come. Yeah, well, I, I really think the next stage. So moving on from Bogues and that, there would have been this whole stage of like, um, you know, the Matilda babies uh, trying the bees knees and stuff like that, starting to open up the possibilities a little bit more, the James Squires and little creatures and that sort of stuff. But the one I picked as my really opening up my the next level uh, was Two Brothers Chief, and this is a this is an Oktoberfest style beer. They don't make it anymore, but it was a seasonal one at the time. But Two Brothers was a a brewery and is a brewery that's uh, around the corner from where I grew up, my parents' place in Moorabbin. So you'd go down there and it was open on Thursday and Friday nights. And that was a place where you go in, you have a paddle and you go, holy shit, there's there's way more possibilities in beer than I realised. And uh, the Chief was, it was like a slightly more boozy one maybe. It was the one you'd have at the end of the night the celebratory one i'd be there with my dad and we'd raise it in the air hail to the chief <laughs> feel like i uh, just feel like kings and um yeah i don't know it was i because i don't tend i think generally speaking i'm probably these days more attracted to the you know the uh, american style pales and ipas and those sort of beers but um yeah this is a real i get you know german style i don't i can't say it but it's like mars Mars something, Mars. Do something. you see the way I'm just letting you Mar- hang there? Yeah, which please. Is very crude. Don't. <laughs> Do you want me to look it up? Marzipan? That's not it. Marzen? Marsden. 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 Marsden is a, a brewery in Yorkshire, I think, in the UK, but Ma- Marsden. Marsden, that might be it. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if I've ever had a, another version of that, but yeah, there's something about it. And I haven't, I don't think they make it anymore, so I haven't had it since. But they had a, I also really like their Growler, which is like a, an American brown ale. You know, you'd know their story. Have you had? Yeah, no, I haven't had them on. And they they have. I remember from memory, Will Zabel, uh, journalist for the Crafty Pint, uh, and beer historian. He chose uh, spoilers. It was a long time ago. The <laughs> choice for he chose. Uh, I think that it was the Grizz oh, yep. uh, as one of his beers. And we did discuss at the time just how you know for some reason or other two brothers haven't been as celebrated or haven't been seen as uh, glamorous or haven't been a hype like brewery but they kind of the beers that they make like the grizz and the growler no one makes them better i don't think that particular style of beer no one makes it better than two brothers i I think think yeah they probably i feel like they they were early in this if you think of them as waves maybe it was the third wave of australian craft beer i don't know but if you you yeah. know there's little creatures you go back to the 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 yeah, beginning goat and little yeah. creatures and then yeah i suppose they maybe they were uh yeah just and maybe that that's what they're happy with you know yeah. they might just be happy kind of you know they're doing the thing and they're also tucked you know. away in Moorabbin, you know mm-hmm. that's probably part of it a lot of the other ones are closer to the city and maybe that's why well, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Uh, no stomping ground at opening Morris, a venue at Morris Moor, which is you know only a f- couple of hundred it's meters away. Corner, yeah. yeah, so hopefully that will bring you know more trade. I know you know you got the grape and grain, Bad Shepherd not far away. So there's a real kind it's of changed a lot since uh, I left. Yeah. I left ten maybe over ten years ago, and it was. You know, the pub, there were, every suburb had a pub in the area, and they'd be po- mainly pokies, TRB pubs with Carlton, 
uh, on tap, maybe VB on tap, and Cascade Light. You know, that would be the options. What's that one on the South Road? Like the sand, sand belt. The sand belt. That yeah. just looks massive. <laughs> yeah, it's real big. They, on and off, there would be nightclubs in there around the back and over 28's club and stuff. Over <laughs> <laughs> I could imagine. Well, I remember thinking when I was living there, I'm like, over 28's all <laughs> The grandparents going out for a night, are they? Over twenty eight. It's 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 one of those. It looks like a, a like a glamorous school from the outside. It's so big, it doesn't look like it. It's a bar or an entertainment venue, and they've got a massive drive through yeah. and all that. So big big car park, which is it's convenient a, yeah, for nice driving home park. after drinking uh, a few beers. Yeah, and then they'll get there'll be a billboard out the front saying Johnny Diesel performing, or you know, like classic Aussie acts. We'll be getting all sort of swing yeah. through there. The three tops and yeah. stuff like that. Vicar yeah. and Linda just, Bull. Just, yeah. just the the like acts that sound American soul acts, <laughs> but are just missing something. <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. So these choices all seem very nostalgic. Yeah, well, I th- well, I mean, I guess I I'm just working. I'm working my way through the journey. You know, yeah. I'm telling yeah. a story here. <laughs> <laughs> so the um, yeah, I think. Th- I really think Two Brothers were super important in uh, opening me up to, you know, if it wasn't for them, maybe I'd still be sort of fumbling around in the, in the, um, you know, the big European and the pre- like the you know the premium beers, the Bogues Premium and that yeah. sort of stuff. But they, I remember just, um, yeah, going in there and it, that really opened my, up my eyes. We also have family in Bright, so we go to the Bright Brewery. Um, and that you know they had similar sort of beers that uh, the Dubell and stuff like that would sort of knock your head off, which was fun. And then at, at Bridge Road, not too far from there as well, you do a paddle there. Like a few years back, I did a paddle that had like fourteen beers on it. That's a paddle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you said having a paddle with four or five, fourteen beers, bloody hell. <laughs> but so you were th- one of the. Um, people who had a craft brewery in the suburb. Yeah. So, like, like in Moorabbin, like... Nobody it, had a craft beer in the suburb. It was, like, 2007, <laughs> I think, they opened... Wow. Something like that. So, it was, you know, if you knew about them when you moved over, I feel like maybe it was maybe it was 2009, but it was, like, it was around that time. And they, they shipped over a whole setup from New York, I think, and... Yeah, it's quite a remarkable story, isn't yeah. it? Like, there's, I think there's pictures in the brewery of it being, uh, like, on a trailer through Times Square. Yeah. <laughs> like it's I think it was, I think the brewery was Times Square Brewery or something yeah. like that. But it, it, they, their stories like yours, only they went, oh, there's, there's no good beer here. We'll start making our own. So yeah. that's why, I mean, if you didn't like what we had, maybe you could have. Pulled your bloody finger out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, as we record, you've got uh, comedy festival shows coming. Who would have thought? This time last year, almost to the day, I was recording with Nick Kappa. And it was the day, I think the morning oh, of or the day before. I listened to that episode. We just I'd, found out that yeah. the festival had been cancelled. I was in Brisbane at the time. I had three more nights at the Brisbane Comedy Festival when Melbourne was cancelled. <laughs> so it was like it was fun. Those last three nights were like, oh man, <laughs> everything. It was. I was like, all right, let's uh, do some comedy. Um, <laughs> because there's a lot, it could, you know, for people who uh, maybe don't know a lot about the comedy world or don't know a lot about, you know, how festival works and so on. For 
performers, it's a big deal, isn't it? It's like something that you build up to, that you really put a lot of effort and preparation into. Yes. Uh, look, I'm not saying that there weren't some comedians who are happy it was cancelled. No, I think there's a mix, you know. <laughs> and there's, <laughs> quite, like, there's plenty of comedians who just bypass the festival circuit altogether. But in Australia, it's kind of it's a big part of the, the model of how you build your year kind of generating material through the year to put into a show and then potentially doing it in places like Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Canberra. Like there's a bunch of comedy and fringe festivals around the countries that all link up in the first half of the year and you can um, roll through them all. Um, and same with international comedians as well. They, they yeah. do use that circuit to, you know, because their big thing is Edinburgh and perhaps for a select number of uh, Australian comedians that also Edinburgh is a, because yeah. of the time of year in August, that that is something that the Melbourne Comedy Festival is really getting people match fit, try out things and with Edinburgh. Yeah, that's right. But for a lot of Australian, Edinburgh is, uh, sorry, Melbourne is the, the last stop on the train, isn't it? Yeah, Major. that's right. It's one of the biggest comedy festival in the world edinburgh would be the biggest I'm yeah assuming. i think melbourne is the second yeah second and then there's yeah. montreal sort of like yeah big in a different way um so i think they're normally seen as the big three comedy festivals in the world U- us doesn't really follow the same model they're they're more about people do t- you know different they're, they're not building up to a show at the very top they'll film specials every few years normally some of them do every year, but yeah. Why so why write new material when, yeah. you, when you can just go to Denver? Oh, that's true. <laughs> but I, I think there's also probably something to say about honing your material for a few years rather than <laughs> pumping it out every year. But uh, I guess COVID gave us an, all an extra year on this <laughs> So what you're saying is that because you've all been in hibernation, this is going to be the best comedy festival ever. Uh, yeah, but I'd put an asterisk after that uh, because there was a year where we weren't able to test any of that material <laughs> and maybe some of the skills um, were sitting dormant a little bit. So, yeah, I don't know. It'll be a, a mix. It's, I haven't done, been on stage for an hour since that week in Brisbane a year ago, so it's going to feel a bit funny at first. Hopefully I can still do it. So where can people see you and, and dates and things? I'm on at the Victoria Hotel uh, from the 25th of March to the... I want to say 18th of April, something like that. 22, 22 shows. 22 shows. Yeah. And yeah, that's at 7.55 and 6.55 on Sundays. So people can get home early. It's nice. It's isn't so it like a, antiquated yeah, it and funny, beautiful that yeah. people do that on it. Like the whole schedule moves forward an hour on a Sunday. Yeah. It's like so everyone's sweet. working nine to five Monday to Friday, <laughs> which just isn't the case anymore. But I love that they've, yeah, they still do that. Um, it's, it's interesting because the you know internationals can't get in so there's a lot less shows on this year normally there's like six or seven hundred shows like six or seven hundred shows multiplied by 22 you know so individual nights times thousands but wow uh this year i think it's more like 250 or something because internationals and probably also interstate acts didn't quite have the confidence to put their money down to be involved without you know melbourne was uh, having borders closed semi-frequently for a little while and to the look to be a international act who is living here, yeah. uh, even those acts who've lived here for a, like Jeff Green still puts UK yeah, in brackets. Fair enough. I think Ross Noble Ross will Noble, be around. Yeah, he's, uh, he's in town. Not that they need name Arch checking. Barker. Bill Bailey's in New Zealand at the moment. Oh, is maybe he right? I think oh, there you so. Go. so there's, but um, 
yeah, don't go and see them. Watch them on TV. <laughs> <laughs> go and see, go and see Matt. And you're also doing um, live podcasts for Do Go On. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's but- on Sunday nights at the European Beer Cafe. Another one that's like not that far removed from. Maybe it was even. I think the uh, Dean Grant also had. I think he also started that up, the European Beer Cafe. The guy who did mm. Urban Alley and um, the Bright O'Reilly's. So he's, wow. uh, yeah, the, he, I reckon, I mean, I, I'm no expert, but it, it feels like he started a bit of a trend, at least for variety, or maybe him and people like him. Before that, it was just pubs with two beers. And then all of a sudden, these European style places coming up with a range of beers, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's come up before, is different glassware as well yeah that's right specific to the beer old yeah. speckled hen yeah old speckled hen yeah uh yeah old was, peculiar they yeah, all have old oh, in it yeah Theakston's old peculiar yeah. peculiar is that's a that is a great beer that's my old um, man's all-time favorite it's really confusing and, and he, delightful and he um, told me his favorite he, he went traveling with my mum a few years back through driving around england and he found this pub in um keswick in the lakes district yeah yeah it was called the dog and gun and he's like you gotta go have an old old no have a yeah old peculiar on tap there so then i was there a few years later for edinburgh and um i hired a car and i drove down and stayed in keswick for the night so i could have a few old peculiars at this pub and it ended up being a wild night where i met this guy Named Alice Cooper, he changed his name by Deed Pole. <laughs> yes, he was drinking out of a skull mug, <laughs> and we ended up doing karaoke and stuff that night. But it was a wild time. But yeah, that. Was <laughs> could it just clarify as well that Keswick is not a wild town? <laughs> it has a pencil museum. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this, uh, the image of you and Alice Cooper <laughs> roaming around Keswick doing yeah, karaoke on a, on a pub crawl, and just fantastic. Yeah, it was a good fun time. Um, he's such a big fan of Alice Cooper. He changed his name to Alice Cooper, which is yeah, that's something else. Uh, yeah, England does have some very <laughs> interesting people, particularly in the Lake District, where you know you can't help but think that the Sellafield nuclear power station has had some okay. impact upon the uh, <laughs> you know, upon people's decision making capability. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's a bit of a shame when you. It's a beautiful place, the Lake District, as you would have seen, but when you climb. A mountain and, and look over the horizon oh. and you just see a nuclear power station yeah. beaming that uh, does take the edge off slightly but it feels like it's, in springfield but a great place for uh for pubs and um quite a few uh decent breweries there as well i think um which i think the main brewery there is based in a place called cockermouth cockermouth yeah <laughs> so <laughs> it's a real place right. um cockermouth love it Choice four. <laughs> Choice four. So, I love the format of this podcast. Uh, yeah, you've always just got an out. <laughs> All right, moving on to four. I uh, yeah, just thinking then, Old Peculiar could have could have almost been on there, but I, I went with number four, uh, a Brisbane Brewery Aether. Aethers? Aether? Yeah, Aether. Aether, thank you. Uh, Creature of the Night Peanut Butter Stout. So I think this is, I mean, it's been probably a trend for a few years now, and I would have had it a couple of years ago. Um, there's this bar up in uh, Brisbane in the Valley uh, called King Lear's, King Lear's Throne. And uh, I like do 
do gigs up there sometimes and then people hang around and go, hey, you got to check out this place or whatever. And someone recommended, they're like, you got to go to Kingly's Throne. And I'd walk past a million times. It's one of those bars you blink and you miss it. It's just like it would have been a milk bar in its past life, you know. It's just a little narrow shop. And I uh, went in there and I just had a, it's a tiny spot but big beer fridge with lots of different beers in it. And their owner, Kenny, just go in there and go, hey, Kenny. <laughs> so I go, every time I'm in Brisbane, I'll go and visit Kenny. I'll say, what are you? What's what's a cool beer you've got at the moment? And this first time I was there, that was the first beer. It was the Ether. Never said it out loud before. I think that. I've ether, never said I think it you're out right. Either, it starts with an A and that's confused me. But you're yeah, right. It's it throws e- you I'm off, sure it's yeah. Ether. Ether's Creature of the Night, Peanut Butter Stout. And it just, uh, it, uh, it was a real eye-opener. Loved it. And since then I've tried, you know, I've enjoyed a bunch of different peanut butter stouts. Deeds have one or had, had one briefly. Bad Shepherd. Bad Shepherd's had got one. one. Yeah, and I think they've. St- yeah, they still probably make the one. the one that we got in Australia from the US was the the belching belching beer. Yeah, I've had that a few times. Um, yeah, but certainly a it's a, it's also a beer style that I think you could get quite wrong as well because particularly when you're playing with those you know sw- sweet and salty or you know too much peanut or too much sweetness. The, to get the balance right, I reckon it's probably quite tricky. Yeah. What, what was the ether one? Was it sweet or was it? Well, apparently it it um it changes a little bit year to year. I think it's one of those. That's what someone was telling me. No one from ether, so that might not be even mm. true. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but the what the it was it was it felt beautifully balanced to me. It was like it was it had a big stout flavor, but the peanut. I, I'm no good at talking about flavors and stuff, but mm. it it was what it said it was, you know. So it was no, yeah, no surprises. No, you? it That's was a it, it was a all. peanut butter stout, and it was delicious. And yeah, I I, go, I end up going back to that bar every you know multiple times. And I think there. whenever next time you're up there, you got to go visit Kenny. Yeah, absolutely. Any listeners they as well? Going tunes, you know, all like uh, you know, rock and pop punk and stuff. You know, it's sort of just a fun. Cause, and hang. it's in, in the valley. Yeah. That's the kind of uh, notorious... It's not, in, it's not quite in amongst the mess of the valley. Like, it's not on that strip with Rick's and all those places, which I also love. <laughs> I've had some great nights at Rick's Bar. But um, it, uh, I don't know what the the main road where T intersects with. So it's just sort of around the corner slightly. Because I think Green Beacon might have opened the place there oh, as right. well, a brew pub, because they got bought out. Ah. Uh, so... I think they've they have a group yeah, in the vicinity. Newstead's not too far away from there as yep. well. There's and there's a new one down on the river, or relatively new, last couple of years. Yes, uh, which I haven't visited yet, but yeah, apparently it's a huge place. Can't yeah. remember the name of it, but I. Will. But yeah, that whole area is real cool. So I I love Brisbane, but when I say I love Brisbane, I love that. I love New Farm and Newstead and the Valley because that's pretty much the only places I've seen. <laughs> and Kenny. And Kenny. Well, yeah. I love Kenny. Um, what a name as well. It's just a great name. Kenny. Yeah. Kenny and Ricks. I mean, this is very, <laughs> it's very Queensland. Um, also, this, this, I think the bar that is probably one of the standout ones for craft beer is called The Scratch. I think it's called. The if you've ever been there before. But no, um, that might be one worth There's a Woolly up. Mammoth that's not too far from there. There's another oh, good yeah, beer yeah, bar. Yeah. There's, a, there's heaps, actually, all around that area. It's just a very cool area. Yeah. I reckon it's what people think Melbourne is. I reckon all around there. <laughs> <laughs> and I love going up there, and people are like, "Oh, Melbourne!" You know, they they talk about Melbourne. Maybe they don't anymore because they're realizing that they've they've got all the good things about <laughs> Melbourne 
in the, <laughs> their own neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, ETH is obviously another one, but I've just never made it out there. It's a little bit, it's not in my little Brisbane bubble that I hang out in, but I've, I've got to make the effort to get up there because I think it's pretty good as well. Yeah, and also if anybody from Queensland is tuning in, if you want to find out what Melbourne is like, watch Neighbours. Yeah, it's, uh, it's exactly It's like that. a documentary. Uh, the box set is a bit long, but it is <laughs> well worth looking at. Aaron's Bar is, yeah, pretty much any any suburban. Yeah, Vermont South yeah. is uh, Pinnock Court. Wonderful place. Uh, <laughs> Bouncer, you'll see Bouncer. <laughs> Everyone knows Bouncer. <laughs> my Neighbours references might be a little out of date. Toby's one of my good mates. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love um, Joe Mangle as well. Yeah, Joe Mangle. Yeah, he was a classic. He, sort of he the, actually, na- the neighborhood's dad. Joe. He made it a bit in the UK. Um, yeah, he's like, he's yeah. a he's a stand. He was a stand up before in Melbourne, I believe. Oh, was he? Yeah, I don't, think, I don't know if he's still doing it over there, but he, yeah, I remember hearing his voice on. Uh, he narrated a. <laughs> he narrated a reality show called I forget what it was, the Villa, and it was like a matchmaking. I guess it's sort of like an early maths, and uh, but he would narrate it very sarcastically. I found it very funny. <laughs> a bit like "Come Die with Me," the guy yeah. who does that. Yeah, yeah. But I was really disappointed to find out they, he gets that written for him. That's not oh, actually Dave Lamb. Just riffing. No, no, it's like that. Um, yeah, what's his name? What's Joe Mangle's name? Mark Small. Is it Mark? Something? Mark. What is something it? like that? But yeah. uh, he got the gig hosting the big breakfast which was like one of the it's like got millions of viewers a day in the uk it's quite an extraordinary story to go from Wait, joe mangle and is he's still doing that now uh no no the big breakfast i think he killed it <laughs> <laughs> drove it into the ground <laughs> so so yeah joe mangle um, uh, I'll find it. I'll let. I know people are hanging on that. I'll yeah, find we'll, out. Yeah, we'll name. find out. I'll put it in the. I'll. I'll do it in the end. Uh, end of the show. Yeah, because people I'll give will be throwing their phone again. <laughs> you better let us know what Joe Mangle's real name is. It's funny on the la- last podcast uh, with Emily Day from Froth Magazine, we were talking about the song that goes Lager, 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 <laughs> and neither of us could remember Chumbawamba. I said that. It's not <laughs> That's <Jumbo> weird. <laughs> That's really weird because I said exactly the same. And I did get a message from uh, Daniel, a uh, listener of the show, uh, who sent me who it was. Uh, Underworld, maybe. Oh yes, it is. Oh, uh, that's bad. And yeah, he was yeah, like, like he, he, <laughs> "Yeah, no." He that's said right, he was walking it? at night time, listening to the podcast, shouting, "Born Slippy, <laughs> Born Slippy Underworld." Born Slippy, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Underworld fans. You would be furious about that. But that's quite Jumblewumble. I said the Jumblewumble as well. That's kind of weird. They've got a, they've got a similar sort of thing. Yeah, he they? drinks a whiskey drink, yes, drinks a lager drink. Right. Yeah, yeah. We we did a whole thing about kissing the night away. So you said. Mark Small, you yeah. were so close. Mark Little. Mark Little. <laughs> <laughs> so close. I'd pay it. I'd pay it if you're on sale of the century yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, Mark Little, yeah. Um, Mark Small. <laughs> Sorry, Mark, if you're listening. Um, oh, Neighbours. We've referenced Neighbours and The Secret Life of Us. I mean, we've only got a couple of shows to go through. Reckon- we can squeeze in a country practice, <laughs> Flying Doctors okay. and... Well, probably Shortland Street would be the international category. Uh, and then... I don't, I blue Healers? We didn't get Blue Healers. You didn't yeah, get Blue... I no, that we got Shortland Street, not Blue Healers. Isn't I don't know, I've remarkable. heard of Shortland Street. Yeah, New Zealand. Um, oh, right. Uh, yeah. Blue Healers feels like it's made to be sold internationally. Yeah. It's just like... 
Australian country town where there's a big crime every week. Yeah. 17 people live here and there's been another murder. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they used to say about um, murder she wrote yeah. when like she she turned up. Like, everyone was scared. It's be. like, oh, there's going to be a crime now. <laughs> Someone's going to get Someone's killed. Someone's going to go. Um, choice five. Uh, choice five, I've gone with Kaiju Crush. It's a, you know, you normally have a, like, it's my modern version of the Bogues Premium. If I'm going to get a slab, it's Kaiju Crush. Um, maybe I should write an email to them. They've got good <laughs> merch, too. But, Very good. Um, yeah, that's the, that, if I'm getting a slab to put in the fridge... Just to have, it's the beer that I can drink all day, you know. Do you think you've still got that email somewhere to Bogues? Yeah, maybe. Because if you could write an email to Kaiju, just changing uh, the name. Nat at Kaiju, as 18-year-old you. (laughs) (laughs) Dear Kaiju Crush, (laughs) I love you. (laughs) You're delicious. I want to put some posters up can in I, my bedroom. I want to put some posters of you on my wall. The thing is, it would it'd be quite good actually. Yeah, their artwork's awesome. Yeah. Love their artwork. <laughs> so it's not not such a bad idea. But I it wasn't at all intentional because I didn't design it. But my show's poster for this year isn't that far off the kaiju crush sort of bright mm. colours and cartoony sort of thing. They, I also, I really like their, I was looking on their website earlier and I, you don't see a lot of their range around. I don't know, do they have a, a brew bar or brew pub or anything? No, they, their facility, I think, might still be shared with Exit Brewery in uh, Dandenong South. Yep. And they don't have a venue that they sell out of. They, you know, their, their core range is pretty you know, bold for a core range, yeah. but it's fair to say I think Kaiju Crush accounts for a high percentage of their overall output. Yeah, um, yeah, it's very, very popular. I had it, I had it on tap for the first time the other night. I had a, it's a weekly gig at the Lido Cinemas in Hawthorne, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'll grab a, a schooner or something. And they, yeah, they had Kaiju Crush on tap, which is cool. Great. Just and don't really see it on tap all that often. No, and there, there are other beers like. The K- Cthulhu, yeah, call of the Cthulhu, Metamorphosis, yeah, just they're the other two great. that I've had. But yeah. then there were there were three or four others in their range that I've never even seen. Yeah, the double IPA, which is an orange can, I forget the name. And then they, yeah, they've got um, I think Behemoth as well. I don't think it's called Behemoth anyway. Uh, any? Oh no, it might well be called Behemoth. I think they won that lawsuit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> against the Polish metal band? No, no, against I think a uh, a New Zealand brewery who oh, right. uh, are called Behemoth in New Zealand, but Chur here. Ah, because there was uh, just a. I don't think it was. It wasn't oh, a lawsuit. It yeah. didn't didn't go far, but uh, it was just a. Because they've hey, also got the cartoony all... kind of labels, don't they? Yeah. So I think it was just a. Hey, we had this before you, so just <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, don't step on our toes. Watch yourself. Which is fair enough. Um, but yeah, some great beers, and to have a core range with beers that are like so punchy, like Metamorphosis is great beer, uh, but that's like six point eight percent, and then you've got the yeah. double IPA nine percent, and then Black IPA, which is ten percent, I think, and then yeah, it's pretty bold. But Kaiju Crush doesn't fit into that category <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, but there's a lesson to be learned 
I think, for breweries. You know, like you were saying before about some uh, venues where, you know, you visit and they're making the beer for the clientele. They're not trying to change people's minds necessarily. They're kind of making it for, to make the till tick over. Yep. Then, yeah, it's a bold person who doesn't take the opportunity to make some cash. Yeah, for <laughs> and, sure. And, can... and fund those other tasty beers. Yeah, that's right. That feels like that's the... <laughs> That's the business model that a lot will follow. You you have at least one approachable beer, maybe two, and then at the other end you do seasonals or ones where you can let your creativity flow. But then there's something that I never really thought about that uh, uh, in talking to brewers in recent times, um, come to appreciate the you know the classic beers a bit more. They're often they're they're like they're often the harder ones to brew. There's you're not hiding under peanut butter or you know, passion fruit or other big flavors, you have to get it spot on, otherwise it doesn't work. So that's, uh, there are definitely brewers who take a lot of pride in just nailing the the classics. Yeah, it's probably something I've got into the habit of doing recent years is if a brewery has a Pilsner, that's the first beer I'll buy because I can check whether it's a good brewery or not. Right. Because that's the, then that's the benchmark of, that's probably is the hardest beer to to perfect and that's what's interesting about kaiju crush is that there's so many approachable beers in that category but why did crush catch light and there'd be other breweries who are saying well we're brewing a you know kind of tropical four percent four point one percent nice approachable ale what is it that marks kaiju out it's got to be the marketing hasn't it it's got to yeah, be the that can. can is amazing so cool it's an amazing looking can and it, it's interesting, um, you know, like when I was having a few of those on the Bucks <laughs> weekend, everyone else is drinking the Great Northern. It is so it does make you uh, like people go, "What the hell is that?" They assume you're drinking like grape juice or something. Yeah, like soft it, drink, yeah. Yeah, it, does, like- it looks like a yeah something else, but um, maybe that's what it's sort of like. It's carved. It it stands out so much that it puts some people off, but it, enough people go, well, "That's that's interesting." And it's memorable. You'll you spot it in a in the fridge. There's also the festival factor, isn't it? You know, if you're going to a a, a festival which is gla- no glass, and you yes. want to pick up a slab of something, yeah, that is just it's that's just where like, I first found it was at Meredith Music Festival. Someone else had brought a slab of them, and we did a, a few swaps. And yeah, I'm like, oh, this is this yeah. is great. It's got an it's got a, enough kick for that kind of beer as well. You know, it's not. It still does um, pack some punch, even though it's, um, I guess, not compared to the rest of their range, but still. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a little infant child for yeah. the rest of their range. But yeah, uh, yeah, heaps of fun. Um, choice six. Choice six. All oh, right. Well, I feel like I caught um, one of those sessions I had with my old man on Zoom during lockdown. I think for me, 2020 was the year of Deeds Brewery. I just drank so many different um deeds cans through that time and the one sort of seems like for them they released one for their birthday called the quiet deed it was an oat cream hazy teeper am i saying that right (laughs) yes triple ipr i guess yeah and it was reading the label and the they're saying it's there's a hop for every year of our existence eight years there's so much going on there's lactose there's all sorts of things in there and I'm like, this could be anything. It was like 20 bucks for the can, I think. And um, it was awesome. I, I'm like, how did they made all of this 
together and re- I reckon it's the maybe it's the moment or whatever there's all sorts of stuff goes into when you love a beer but it I reckon it was the nicest beer I've ever had wow yeah that, that's uh, and it would have been high percentage yeah like, well it was like 11 percent or something yeah yeah and in a kind of a tall can tall can yeah yeah, yeah so the value is there. I know it wasn't 20 it was cost like 16 bucks or something which is like a few years ago, like $16 for one beer, one It's a can. gamble, isn't it? Yeah. It's still a gamble because you know that you can buy like a four-pack for $16 or $18 or something to buy one beer for for that. Yeah. It still does seem a roll of the dice. Yeah, totally. Because I, I mean, and I have I have done that in the past and and uh, been disappointed, but I don't think ever buy a Deeds can. I feel... So now, like I'll go to a shop, I often go in and there's this... I used to live... Uh, uh, near Mooney Ponds, there was this little brewery bar called Mastodon's, and they and the guy in there loved Deeds, and but all the other beers, so I'd go in there and like anything new from Deeds, I'll take them. What else do you recommend? I'll add them in and take six, uh, sort of like a mixed six pack. But yeah, and that was right through uh, lockdown. That was what I was doing. There was new Deeds. It felt like every couple of weeks they put out a new beer. Couldn't have been. I mean, time, the, no, nothing after a while. Yeah, but their output is extraordinary. Uh, they have an American brewer, I think, Justin, uh, who that program for putting out beers is quite uh, silly. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, I, I think it's certainly a lot of added stress. Uh, right. But, it, like, it's working. Yeah. That model is working. People get excited about their beers. People want those new, different beers. Um, and they, they're pushing the boundaries, which I think helps other breweries because they're taking the risks. Yeah, other right. breweries can have a look, see what's happening, and then, you know, see where the, the wind's going. And I think that's... They, they've also had a big year because um, they had, after years of lobbying local council to get the brew pub in Glen Iris uh, open, uh, which is a traditionally dry area. Ah, uh, right. Was, I was wondering why they didn't have a spot, but they, they're building it at the moment. So right? I think it's built um, or close to opening, but it was a big year for them because they, I think they had their eyes of opening this uh, brew. Obviously, COVID slowed things down a bit. Um, it's right near um, the train station. So, you know, it's definitely, uh, and there's not, because it is traditionally a dry area, there's not much around that area with craft beer. Um, so it's kind of crazy that, you know, those people who are not... There's a lot of wine drinkers in that area, yeah. I imagine, um, <laughs> on the Turak border. They walk in and think craft beer is going to be a, you know, 12% cheaper or whatever yeah. for $20 for a pot. <laughs> that that might skew their view of what craft is. Um, but, hey, it's going to be a lot of fun see what they do and whether they can keep up with that schedule. I'm Because I'm, I really hope, because I love them so much, I, it's almost getting to the point where it feels like, don't meet your heroes. <laughs> I, I really hope they're good people. <laughs> you know, yes. I love their beers so much, and then I find, I find out they're real assholes. But yeah, no, I, well, I, I wanted you to tell me, nah, great guys. I can tell you that Paul Sharp, who's uh, Deeds rep, uh, national rep, he is uh, a golden guy. He's he's very good. I, love uh, to hear I very that. much enjoy his company. So <laughs> okay, I'm sure cool. I'll have him on the podcast soon. But we should go and uh, we should we should go out and then we can go uh, pub crawl the, back to, into the city through the bars of Turak. Yeah, uh, I'm sure we'll be very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Climb over people's fences <laughs> and uh, enjoy uh, that. But um, 
Go we go to Track Bar. Is that a nightclub or some terrible track place? Bar. It's called Track. I mean, you're that's an area I'm not that familiar with. Yeah, would you no. believe the Turak I, area? I, I I lived in Turak when <laughs> oh, I first right. arrived in Australia. Right. A mistake. <laughs> it was uh, accommodation provided by my employer. I still had to pay a lot of rent for it, but it was on Turak Road. It wasn't a wasn't a nice place to live. Turns out, really dreadful place. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> What I thought it'd be would be just uh, living the dream in there. That's where I mean the, the council would be putting all the money into. If you would have had a beautiful gardens, no, lovely lawns. No, look, I I think I brought the value of the houses down <laughs> slightly <laughs> coming from Liverpool. Um, what a journey! What a journey! We've I, been through six beers and three um, decades. <laughs> Three decades, three decades of beer. Taking you from the eighties to today. And uh, uh, what do you like drinking beer out of? What's your favourite receptacle to drink these beers? Out I'm of? like I, I'm not super. Fu- I, for the most part, I just drink out of little, uh, s- little Scotch glasses that I was given for my birthday years ago. But um, I, I was also given, uh, you know, they, what's the Spiegel or something mm-hmm. made Spiegel these yeah. beers. Sp- special there's an ipa one with a sort of ribbed mm. base and that and there was a three-pack one for stout one for ipa and one for wheat beers and they're beautiful looking glasses so special occasions i might crack those open but maybe the my favorite is this uh cooper's handle that i i uh left a an adelaide pub with down my pants um after the saints had a big win in a final in 2005 <laughs> i think it was and then uh, yeah so i've still got that it's just a little cooper's handle probably it's like a you know half liter handle uh, the, those country handles with the sort of the like the imprint sort of squares all around them they're pretty classic as well Love yeah. those. yeah i've got one of those um and i think yeah op shops are the best place for glassware Spiegelau, stuff like that. They're expensive. They they're very fragile as well. Yeah. So, like social media is littered with with grown men crying about <laughs> like you know just, you've just got a broken glass in a sink. Yeah, uh, that's worth they're very you know, thin. Thirty five dollars or something. But um, thirty five dollars. Yeah. I, I don't they're think expensive. I thank them enough for yeah. that present. I'll have to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are expensive. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Maya had a sale on you know forty nine dollars <laughs> yeah. for three or something. But wow. still a lot. That, yeah, that's um, good. Yeah, good, I'm sure. Good I'll, intel there. I'm sure I'll get emails about how it doesn't cost. I mean, that much, I imagine but... you get sent freebies all the time. Doing <laughs> no, this sadly, not. No, no. No, you would think by now, you know, four years in, this podcast will be paying for itself. But <laughs> uh, yeah, um, snack to go with. Ah, oh, this one yeah. I found the the hardest of the things to think about. So, I'd, do you normally? I normally eat? forget. I think I often forget food. So you <laughs> when can, I'm in you a can that's an answer. You but can th- say but if no snack. It depends on you know where. Like at the Hobart Brewing Co. Last week they had a taco truck, so I had a couple of tacos that were great. You know, there's some whatever's around. There's off breweries often have nice little pizzas. Um, they're less snacks and more meals. You know, pretzels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> classic <laughs> accompaniment for any beer. Anything salty, yeah. anything that's going to make you drink more beer. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of the what go. Isn't at Oktoberfest, I, I don't eat meat. And Oktoberfest, they don't serve vegetarian food. Well, they didn't in 2006 <laughs> when I was there. So I lived on big pretzels. <laughs> Just that, I was there for like five or six days and I drank liters of beer and only ate pretzels. <laughs> and my body did not thank me for it by the end. There, I think that was all, like, literally all I ate. 
that all you could get there was a pork knuckle or half a chicken <laughs> or a pretzel. <laughs> I think that were the three dishes available. Maybe I didn't know where to look, but I think that sounds very much like Germany. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm I'm also a non meat eater. Uh, and that's good intel. Yeah, maybe <laughs> pack a lunch. I, yeah, pack lunch. <laughs> I might, if it goes to Oktoberfest, the pack lunch, maybe, you know, just a little sandwich, Vegemite. Yeah. <laughs> Can of Kaiju Crush. Yeah. Oh, it'll be <laughs> tears rolling down your face, missing home. Dairy Lee Squares or something. I don't know. Triangles, triangles. Um, Matt, you also do a podcast called Do Go On, which I'm a big fan of. Yes. You've got to come on one day and tell us the story of beer. Love to. It's uh, yeah. it's more work than a, uh, you probably have time for. but Yeah, because <laughs> you a do, lot of it would be in your brain already. But yeah, Because you do a report, don't you? And yes. you take it in turns with your co-hosts to do a report and then you... Uh, investigate some person or something that yeah. event that happened in the past. Yeah, it's not it. mainly historical things. Some from like uh, just the recent history, but some from way back. Weird things. It could be. It's sort of any topic. It could be done one about Bigfoot. Done one about the First World War. You know. Done one about the Hindenburg disaster. Um, done. I did one about Aussie rules football. How that all began. And so the, yeah, there's. Yeah, heaps of different ones. I think we did one about Ryan Gosling once. You know, it could be anything. (laughs) Well, no, I I can appreciate the the hard work that goes into it because the the episodes are are lengthy as well. It's not like uh, you're giving it a lot of effort into these things. uh, Yeah. The sort sort of of thought that goes into them. I think that, yeah, they sort of would an hour and a half upwards. I think our longest one's maybe about three hours. And it's so popular. Like you... You went and did a tour in the UK. Yeah, I've done a few doing live shows, UK and tours, and they yeah, they, yeah, they they were great fun. Yeah, hope hopefully we were about to go do an American tour as COVID hit. We were sort of finalising. Uh, we had a had, had a guy who was going to produce us, and we just had to sign for the really expensive visa. I'm glad we didn't do that just before. But yeah, they they cost. They're many thousands of dollars to get a one of those visas, apparently. Oh, like an entertainment visa or something, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that that's where you can't when you go to customs, you can't just yeah. say, "Oh, I work for uh, myself." <laughs> <laughs> what a nice place to end, Matt. Yeah, oh, beautiful spot. Um, Thanks so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Oh, look, I've been so rude. I haven't asked you. What are your six beers? <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll leave that there. Uh, <laughs> And I'll put in the show notes all the places people can find you and certainly go along to watch Matt do live stand-up, which is less time than this podcast. It's an hour, 55 minutes. Yeah, that's Is that right. the aim? Yeah, 50, I think it's about 50 minutes you're meant to be on stage before they shuffle everyone out. Perfect. Well, thanks everybody for listening and uh, thanks, Matt. Thank you. So that was it, Matt Stewart. Please do check out Matt's podcast, Do Go On. Uh, Check out his comedy as well. Go to see him live either at the Melbourne Comedy Festival or one of the many gigs he'll be doing around Australia. He is actually a Raw Comedy winner. I think it was 2014 he won Raw Comedy, which is 
quite it's quite an alumni to come from there's a lot of very heavy hitting comedians who've won that award at the melbourne comedy festival um so do check him out and also check out the beer pioneer i'll post all the relevant links in the show notes and talking of relevant links go on to the chosenbrewau.com and sign up to the mailing list if you haven't done that already because we've got some exciting news uh, that is going to be coming to you very shortly in the next few months don't miss out be the first one to hear about it via that mailing list at the time of recording there is the good beer week schedule that's coming out which is really exciting after the year we've had in 2020 obviously all of those things cancelled it's quite exciting to think about the possibility of having a good beer week happening this year so fingers crossed everything goes to plan with that if you want to send me a message please do on the socials facebook instagram twitter i do check them fairly semi-regularly i will get back to you or send me an email thechosenbrewau at gmail.com love to hear from you and as always i'm sure i hope we'll be able to catch up for a beer soon but in the meantime Hope you enjoy this episode. Leave a review wherever you get your podcast. That'd be very kind. And I'll catch you next time for another exceptional beer journey. Oh, and also listen to the Wheel of Sport podcast. I've heard it's brilliant. 